of you relate? I mean, like, seriously, like nothing else could possibly go wrong in your day, right? One thing after another after another. If I've got any people about my age or um, I'm thinking back to also a time in 1994 when another movie called uh, Dumb and Dumber came out. Okay. All right. All right. You're with me. Lloyd walks into the apartment, right? He walks in. He's like, that's it. I've had it with this dump. We've got no food. We've got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. That's right. That's right. You're so good. Excellent. So what would that look like for you? If you had to pinpoint a day or days like that for you, what would it actually look like? Yeah. Would it look like maybe a day that disaster struck or maybe you got a phone call from a loved one or not from a loved one, but hearing about a loved one maybe that had passed away or maybe it was a day that you were just feeling awful in your body or maybe you felt misunderstood or rejected maybe, right? I know for me, as I was kind of thinking about this, going across different things that had happened in my life and thinking about what it looked like for me, it would have been, could have been like the 2013 tornado, right, that came through. That was horrific. That was terrible. I remember getting a phone call from my parents letting me know that my father was going to have to have five bypasses on his heart, and that's scary. I remember walking through dementia with my grandma, and that's hard. Those are all horrible, horrible days, right? You don't look forward to those. Or how about just about a week and a half ago, I get a call from my daughter who was on the highway going 60 miles an hour in her car, and I pick up the phone, and you hear quiet for a moment, and then you hear, Mom, and your heart stops, and you can't breathe for a moment. And she tells you she was just in a car accident. Praise the Lord, she is okay. But those are horrible, horrible moments, right? Those are horrible. So I suppose any one of us could come up with those days that we've had. We've all had them. They come. And sometimes it seems like it's one thing after another. Alongside of the car accident, we had like the water heater was out. And then the furnace went out. And it was all these different things that were happening. But even more than the things that we go through, let's turn to our Bibles in Luke 23. Because we're going to take a look at Jesus. That's why we're here, right? Amen. So we're going to go to Luke 23. And you might as well just get comfortable, like sit back, maybe lean your head on your neighbor, grab a snack maybe, run downstairs, get some more coffee. It's going to be, it's a little long, but it's okay because it's awesome. We're going Luke 23 and we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to go all the way through verse 46. And I'll tell you why we're going to do that a little bit later. Is that okay with you? All right, fantastic. You're there, right? Where are you? Very good. You're listening this morning. So good. You had your breakfast. All right, verse 1. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes. He was misunderstood. To the Roman government, sorry, not to pay their taxes to the Roman government, and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king, he was not trusted. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent. But he's causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. 
he was rejected. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. He was passed off. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. He was wrongly accused. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. He was mocked and ridiculed. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. He was ganged up on. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders, along with the people, and he announced this verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and found him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, that is beat with a whip or a stick as punishment or torture, and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. He was betrayed. Barabbas was in prison for taking part of an insurrection in Jerusalem, Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, and they kept shouting, Crucify him. Crucify him. For the third time, he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I found no reason to sentence him to death, so I'll have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. He was exhausted and physically drained. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women, but Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children, for the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the, womb, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. He was crucified. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice the crowd watched as the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. 
The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine or vinegar. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself! A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, and with those words, he breathed his last. Let's pray. God, thank you for reminding us of your story, that you had a very awful, worst, awful day. And God, anything that we could possibly go through certainly doesn't compare to that day that that you gave your life for us. And I just pray today, God, that we would be able to take a full grasp upon that and realize what that meant for us, that it was life-changing, that it was life-giving. Father, I pray for everybody in this room today that their hearts would be opened to hear this seed that would be planted deep within their heart, God. I pray that you would use me, speak through me, use my voice for you, Jesus, for your glory today. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I know it was long, but isn't that, we got to hear that, don't we? Sometimes we just got to read the whole story. And so today is the very first Sunday of our sermon series. Um, Praise the Lord for Pastor John. He's out preaching the gospel all over the world, actually, but just today he's in another church. Let's give it up for Pastor John. Thank you so much. We love you, Pastor. We miss you. But today is the first Sunday of a sermon series titled Seven, because there are actually seven things that Jesus spoke while he was on that cross. And the very first one that I have the privilege of sharing with you today is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, the awesome thing about that, and I'm going to have a thing all printed up that you can actually read it, but you can't all get it in the book of Luke. You have to go back to Matthew, not Mark, but also John, and you get the rest of the pieces put into when he said what, those seven sayings throughout the cross. So it's really interesting, just a little side note, but you'll be able to see it all in order. Um, So as you all know, about three weeks ago, Pastor John did an amazing message on forgiveness without limit. You guys remember that? Like, oh my gosh, so life-changing, little gut-wrenching, stepping on your toes, like there was lots of people going to um, ask forgiveness of people or going to let people know that, you know, they needed to know that I've forgiven you and that released them that way, right? So I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, first saying of the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. What more could I possibly have to say to that, right? Like he covered everything. So then my mind sort of drifted back to uh, Michael as he was talking a couple weeks ago. And he was, talk, he was talking about how right before he gets up to preach that the devil likes to speak in his ear like all these other people are so much better, right? Yeah, well, it happens to us all, 
because the devil is just like, yeah, you're done. You got no more stories. You got nothing else to say, right? But how many of you know God has all kinds of things to say? His story is never ending. It goes on and 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 on. Amen. So then as I began to, um, as Michael began to go on with his preach, which was amazing, by the way. Can we please give it up for Pastor Michael? And the underground team, of course. <laughs> that was so good. Um, so as he began to go on, I found myself captured in a split-second vision from the Lord. And this is what I saw. Do you guys remember when he was up here preaching? He had a similar to this table anyways, right? He had this. He had a cute little plant, right? A little green plant up here. But I glanced. I was sitting right over there, and I glanced up at this table, and this is what I saw. This table surrounded by vice grips, right? I know this is weird, but just stay with me just for a second. So in that moment, I'm thinking, Lord, why are you showing me this? I'm supposed to be paying attention to Michael here, you know, can you, you know? So what he showed me as I began to go back later and ask him about it is that, and I began to study what a vice grip is. So we're going to look at that for just a second. You know, I'm your word girl, right? All right. So first of all, I get it. I know vice grips, these things are spelled with an S. But thank goodness I didn't know that before until I started digging a little bit. And then what I was really looking for was what's the meaning of vice? What, what is the purpose of this? Vice is actually an immoral or wicked behavior. Or just simply said, just evil. Ah. Oh. When I point at this half of the room, will you just say evil? And then when I point at this half of the room, will you just say grip? Okay? Oh, wow. That was intense. That, that was evil. Okay, here we go. Evil. Grip. Evil. Grip. Evil. Grip. Evil. Grip. Evil. Grip. So as this vision began, or as I asked the Lord to kind of unfold this before me and tell me what he was talking about, he spoke to my heart and said, we can easily be gripped by things that sometimes we don't even realize that it's happening. Wow. So how many of you chose the clothespins this morning during meet and greet? Hold them up in the air. Do you have any idea why you grabbed the clothespins? <laughs> okay, they weren't supposed to tell you to. Okay. But you didn't realize why you were doing it, right? We can easily become ensnared by those things that grab us. And if you, you kind of hold your clothespin, it's kind of similar, right? That's what it's supposed to kind of represent. It was way, way cheaper than, you know, 600 of these. So. so if we aren't wise to the enemy's vices... Wow. We can get entangled in that, right? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. What is it that we're doing? What are we doing? When Jesus was crucified on the cross, do you think that had the people known who he really was, that they would have done it? Gosh, I sure hope not, right? Do you think that if they would have known the repercussions of what they were doing, what it would lead to for for their children and their children's children, 
would they have continued to crucify Jesus on the cross? No. Would they have known that they were really condemning themselves to hell unless they should repent? No. Surely not. Do you think, do you think that us, do you think if we knew the consequences of what we did when we hurt another person, if we would continue to do that? I know I've referred to this story before, but I have that fourth grade kid named Glenn Gordy who used to make fun of me and call me names. Do you think he realized that I would talk about him today? (laughs) Probably not. But it hurts, right? He didn't know the consequence of what that would be. Pastor John shared um, a great story with me. He actually, um, and I wanted to share it with you. I just thought it was so good. It was actually from um, Philip Yancey's book. It was from What's So Amazing About Grace. Anybody read it? Very good. So in that book, Yancey is talking about a a young married couple who has a three-year-old son. And one evening, the couple just got in just a a fight, okay? They were fighting. Finally, the husband looks at the wife and he says, that's it. I've had it. I can't do this anymore. I'll never forgive you. Never, never, never. Just a few nights later, the couple were in, was, were in bed, and they hear this, like, ruckus going on down the hallway. And it was really concerning because it was loud and it was dramatic, and, and they didn't know what was happening. So they rush down the hallway to where their three-year-old son's bedroom was, and they open up the door, and they go in, and they look, and they see the little three-year-old boy. And he said he was pounding his fist into the pillow, and he was, say, he was saying, That's it! I've had it! I'm not going to do this anymore! I'm never going to forgive you! Never! 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 And the father began to weep because he realized what he had placed in his son. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Do we know what we're doing then when we don't forgive ourselves? Which is where I feel like we're going to stay a little bit right now, because that's where we need to be today. When we just can't seem to get that vice off of ourselves? Can anybody tell me what the definition of pride is? Pride. Ah, thank you. Thinking more, and I heard part of what you said, so I'm going (laughs) to... Thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Everybody say that. Thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Did I say that right? Thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. So basically, when you're caught up in unforgiveness of yourself, you're caught up in two sins. Oh, praise the Lord. Now I'm in pride and I'm in unforgiveness. Never thought of it that way, did you? Because you're saying basically that, yeah, you know, the cross, it's not for me. I mean, Jesus, it's awesome that you gave your life and everything, you know, but you kind of died in vain because it's not for me. We go around and tell everybody else it's for them, but it's not for us. It is for us. Can I, um, is Vicki down there? Hi, Vicki. I know you didn't know I was going to call on you today, but do you like to read your Bible? 
Just kidding, just putting you on the spot. I know you love your Bible, you read it every day. I have my Bible marked to 1 John 1 9. Will you just read it for me? Do you mind? You're on the worship team back in England. I just really want to hear your accent some more. So it's even lit up for you. Look at this. Just come and, like, you know, like you're going to kiss my cheek. Greet me with a holy kiss. Okay, 1 John 1 9. Please come back and listen. (laughs) But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wasn't that beautiful? Oh. I can only speak like that. Oh. Thank you, Vicki. Okay, I'm going to look at it again. So hear this, hear this. If we, okay, we're going to go back to English class. Okay, if we, who's we? You and me makes we, right? If we confess our, which is yours and mine, mine, yours, that's ours. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from some unrighteousness. Oh, right. All. All of it. Okay, so um, this... Oh, I need to go do something. Can you forgive me just a second? I need to... I'll be right back. This is where our butts get in the way, so just hold on a second. Just continue to talk to your neighbor just for a hot second. Tell them how great the conference was yesterday. Talk. I know it's awkward, but I'll be there in a second. We have it, might need a little help back here. Okay, I am coming, I promise. These straps go, yeah. This goes on. Here we go, coming together. Guys, you're not going to believe that they actually sell these on Amazon. They do. They seriously sell them. Yeah. Thank you. You can buy these. This is awesome. Okay. Sorry, Pastor John. I just, I'm really sorry. Okay. So, I just got, you got to drive it home sometimes, guys. You just got to drive it home. This is where our butts get in the way. But, Dana, you don't know what I've done. But, Dana... I lied to people. But Dana, I cheat people. But Dana, I steal from people. But Dana, I had an affair. But Dana, I got divorced. But Dana, I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. 
But Dana, I caused harm to another person and meant to do it. But Dana, no buts here, guys, no buts. God said all, all. But Dana, I killed somebody. Really? All. No buts. No buts about it. You guys can borrow this. (laughs) My brothers and my sisters, who I love so much. But God. But God. That's the only one that's okay. Amen. John 3.16, you guys all know it and can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not but have... And let's go on with that. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does... Sorry, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name, the name meaning everything that it stands for, of God's one and only Son. Boom. Mic drop. Amen. So when we allow, and we're going to, so what does this actually do, what does this actually do to us? When we allow this to happen to us, when we allow ourselves to remain in unforgiveness, it holds us back from being who God intended us to be, right? Because we draw inwardly and suddenly we're not enough, we're not good enough, we do this, we're, I, I can't look good in front of everybody, look at all these things that I've done wrong. How could I set the example? I just went and cussed my brother out and I'm supposed to go out and preach a message tomorrow, right? All. Oh. Suddenly we begin, we rely upon those lives and it, those lies, and it does keep us from being who God intended us to be. And we have another clip to watch if we could put that up, please. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Forgotten who you are, and so forgotten me. 
Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Father. Genesis 1.27, it tells you and I that we were created in the image of God. The image of God. You were created with kindness and goodness. And he gave you authority in his name to do all that he did and even more. And so my challenge to you this morning is this. But first I have a question for you. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because if you look at the Great Commission as it's written in Matthew 8, sorry, Matthew 28 and verse 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, that means he was talking to his disciples, but he's also talking to you, right? And me? I have been given all authority, oh, all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? Go. Go. Like one word, just go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciplines. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The challenge is this. Go. It's time to get off the sidelines. Stop thinking you're not good enough, that you're not enough, that you're too old or you're too young. It's time to get in this game together. Just like Bloom took an army of people to pull together and make something glorious for God's glory happen, it takes God's army to come together to get his gospel out. That's you. That's me. We're to go and make disciples. Go and make more followers, right? If Simba had not taken up his rightful place in Lion King, everything around him would have died. If you and I don't take our proper place as children of the king, we have depleted ourselves, depleted ourselves, I just spit, of the life that we were intended to live. Let me say that one more time. If we don't take up our rightful place as children of the king, we deplete ourselves of the life we were intended to have. Forgiven, set free, empowered. As we, over these next several weeks, take a look at these seven sayings of the cross, we're going to see that even in his death, 
He was teaching us how to survive on our very worst day. Um, And if you guys remember at the very beginning when we showed that clip of Alexander the Great and his very absolutely horrible day, later on in that movie, Alexander goes on to say, he says, you got to have the bad days so that you can love the good days even more. So for those of you that grabbed your clothespins today, instead of thinking of it as a vice grip, an evil grip, I want you to be reminded of the grip that you have on the Lord, that that's the grip you're going to choose to have, that you're going to choose to follow the Great Commission and go and make disciples. You're enough. You are worthy. You are chosen. His word says it. Isn't that awesome? You are forgiven. You, you, me, you, you're forgiven. Forgive yourself. Amen. So this morning, I just, I just felt like we should just take a moment that we just need to be loved on the Lord. And so I just want you to stand up this morning. And we're just going to play a song. And I heard this song on the radio, and I was just so blessed by it. And I just want you to hear it and receive it and know that the Father loves you and that he sings over you and rejoices over you, that he loves you. And after I'm finished, Joe G's going to come and close us out. I'm going to pray first, so don't start it quite yet. God, I thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you for, give, for forgiving me. I mess up every single day. Some, so, oftentimes so much of the day. So thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I can let those things go that I've been gripping myself with for so long. I thank you that today I'm taking the challenge and I'm going to go. I'm going to go and make disciples. I'm going to get off the sidelines. I'm going to take my place. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for their families. And I thank you, Lord, for blessing them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.